Hi again, it's Kelvin, See Her Love Floor Manager. There's been a lot of loss this year. I mean a lot. So today Melinda listens to the stories of women who have endured great loss and how they are grieving and healing well. She also sits down with an expert who will teach us about the spiritual practice of lament. What is it and why is it important as we grieve? Today's show may sound like a heavy one, but it's also full of great hope. That's coming up. Thanks, Calvin. I really love how you do our introductions for this show. And it sounds like a heavy show, but I know that this topic is going to be so helpful for those enduring loss. And I'm thankful that Dr. Mary, psychologist, author, and podcaster is with me to talk to us about how to grieve well and deal with loss. So, Dr. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Mary, this year has caused a lot of loss for a lot of people. Mm. How do we deal with that? How do we grieve well the losses that we are facing each day? Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm hearing lots of stories as well. It's, it's a tough, tough year. And I don't know that the term grieve well is even the appropriate term. I think it's okay. giving yourself grace that grief can be messy mm-hmm. and that there isn't a linear path that takes us from A to Z and somehow we're going to be done. It's not something you can shortchange. So I think if people can give themselves self-compassion and grace and um, recognize that they really don't want to do this alone, if they can have somebody who, whether it's a professional or uh, someone that they care about, a good friend, who can just be with them. Because this is kind of their journey. There's no shortcut to it. Um, but I think it's recognizing that part of grieving well is actually letting yourself feel the emotions that you need to feel. Wow. Um, letting yourself experience um, just that emptiness that often people will talk about that they will experience with loss. Because it's really, really painful. I mean, it's like, ugh. Right. Dr. Loss. Mary, when you don't grieve, if we can say well, What are the results of that when we are so angry at all the losses that are happening and it's out of our control and we just say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it. There, there must be consequences to that, to us. Yeah. We see people who can get stuck in grief. We call it complicated grief. Uh, It just means that the natural stage of coming to acceptance working through their emotions, being able to move on, they get stuck. Many times it's because they do feel anger. Uh, Many times it's also because they feel guilt, whether it's survivor's guilt or whatever it is. Sometimes it's just to have um, anxiety and it kind of stirs it up because their partner or their loved one um, maybe played a very significant role in their life. I mean, there's lots of reasons why it is. And the challenge with not pushing through with it is that it can lead to a whole host of mental health issues. Uh, And it can also uh, lead to serious depression. People have become suicidal as a result. I mean, it's just so important that we do this well. So as we do this well, just as a last thought, um, as people are grieving today, what is the hope and the comfort in, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Will we get through this? 
Yes, uh, we will. I mean, that's the thing about when we're in the moment of the grief, it feels like this will never change. But when you actually choose to enter into the process of grieving, uh, as you allow yourself to lament, as the Bible talks about, um, there will come over time uh, an ability to begin to heal. And especially as you reach out to other people and you start to develop new normal without that person there, Mm -hmm. um, there is hope for sure. Thank you, Dr. Mary. That gives us hope and really sets us up for the rest of the show. So thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome. Well, I'm so thankful that our See Here Love co-hosts, Cheryl Nemhard and Joanna LaFleur, and former co-host, author and speaker, Jen Lawrence, and Mae Freeman, an educator living in South Korea, are here with me to discuss their own personal grief and loss this past year and the past years. And so thank you so much, all of you, for being here and welcome. Uh, This is a timely conversation, it's a hard conversation, so I I really thank you for sharing your story. Uh, Jen, I wanna start with you. I mean, your story of loss within, within family and marriage is, is profound and a lot of people can relate. Why don't you share with us a bit about your journey? Yeah, I, um, I had been you know, married when I was young and had my kids and, and was divorced and went through that pain. Um, and then I, I met, you know, I thought it was the Hallmark story. I you know, met, met a guy, um, we had two families, we wanted to blend the families. And so I remarried. And to me, it felt like, you know, this is, this is what everyone writes about. This is, this is, this is Hallmark. <laughs> and um, it was really tough. And so it was actually, I mean, I, I'm still in that season. We're not officially divorced yet, but it sort of right at the very beginning of the pandemic in late January, um, you know, he, he just said, I'm, I'm not coming home. He was on a business trip. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think one's ever really prepared for that call. And then, you know, of course it's like, Oh, like again, and, you know, you just sort of go into that place of, of pity and why me and sort of, you know, like, God, what are you doing? This was supposed to be my happy ending. So, you know, you sort of play that whole scenario and, you know, telling the kids and, you know, I mean, it's just like, how am I here again? Like it's, you know, a decade's gone by, like, uh, how has this happened again? So, I mean, it, it can, it can test your spirituality, but, you know, I, I said, it's, you know, the, I always think that God works in, you know, interesting ways because they, um, when I was first a single parent, because I was a single parent since my kids were really young, so before the second marriage, um, I always liked the story of the sparrow finding a home at God's altar. That was something that always really meant a lot to me. And um, so then early in the this latest divorce process, a group of sparrows with their children moved into the brickwork of my house. And I just thought, you know, I feel like that's some kind of sign I'm going to be okay and uh, and it w- it was weird because I've been through the process before. Going through the actual process of divorce was less terrible, mm-hmm. you know, because the process can be you don't know what you're doing, and and so you know it really allowed me to to heal, like to work on the emotional side of things and truly heal because I wasn't so busy scrambling around figuring out what to do, and I felt very supported in all of it, and I just had this message that. 
you know, I don't think God puts you in, I don't think God puts you in bad situations, but I don't think bad situations happen to you so that there can be no redemption. Like, I don't think God just said, oh, well, you know, here she goes again. <laughs> I do always think there's something that comes out of it that's really good. Yeah, that's, that's good. And, Jen. and I think, I think too, for people that go through divorce and myself, uh, sometimes it's harder, what I would say, and where the grief comes is that somebody chose to leave you. And so you have to sit in the grief of that. Am I not good enough? Am I not worthy enough? And some people say it's even harder than a, a death of a spouse because they are still alive and have chosen to leave. And so I can understand in the grief for you, just the process of that sense of abandonment and being left again. And that must be so, so difficult. Yeah, it's I mean, it's been really challenging. And especially like with the pandemic, it's been so weird yeah. because Friends who would normally, you know, come over and surround you, you know, it just, so it's like, there's people who still don't know. I'm still getting invitations to these social distancing parties, like for us as a couple. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I haven't talked to you for a while. So it's, it's been really weird, but um, I mean, I, I just see nothing but redemption in it, which Amazing. has made the grief better, yeah. you know? It really has. So it's been a hard season, but by the same token, the whole world's kind of in a season of thoughtfulness right now. And so, you know, in terms of a, a season to grieve, it's been an interesting one with the yeah. pandemic happening at the same time. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. May, I know it's uh, tough for you, you know, losing both parents and, uh, and I think because I know you to just go through the loss of your mom and your dad. And so grief for you. Let's talk about that. Um, so for me, I, I think grief is ongoing. I don't think it's a, a, a journey that I've experienced for many years of my life. As Melinda mentioned, my mom passed away um, over 20 years ago in 1998. Um I was only 24 at the time. And so just kind of at the prime of life for me where I was, um, had graduated from university, I was traveling in Madagascar and on this um, epic journey of just searching for my career and answers to um, what do I do after school? And then, um, and I grew up in a very solid family, um, brother, um, three siblings and then my mom and dad in a Christian home and just a beautiful, loving family. And so my mom, finding out that my mom was sick when I was in Madagascar just um, crushed me. And then a year later when she died, it was like our, what I knew as um, kind of my norm was just crushed. My mom was like the hub of the family and kept us all together. And um, and so it was, it was really hard and um, for our family and it was hard for us to accept the loss and, um, and move forward in our lives just because she was such um, a rock for all of us. It was hard for me to see my dad go through um, that loss and to be there as his support. Um, and then of course it was hard for me to continue life without a mom who was always that strength for me and um, that encouragement and someone I, kind of shared my dreams with every day of what the future would be like with 
us together. We dreamed about growing old together and her holding her her grandchildren and traveling to India together to see her, her birthplace and all of those dreams all of a sudden crushed. So, but, you know, um, through it all, God gave us strength. And I think our family and our um, strong foundation and our faith and our strong family kept us together and, um, and we moved forward. And I did get married and have three children. And um, a big part of um, that loss was um, my desire to kind of seize every moment and, um, and not wait like my parents did, they waited till retirement to go and travel. And of course, two years later, my mom passed away. So um, I'm here in South Korea, um, seeing the world and traveling with my kids. And um, when I was turned 40, my dad passed away. So it was 2014, about six years ago. Um, Another big loss in in my family and... um, it was different because I was older, but also um, it was fast. My dad had a heart attack, and then I went back home. I was living in China at the time, and so went back home to be by his side for about a month. Um, so that was also really tough. Um, because, well, because when my mom passed, my dad and I became close where we weren't super close before. And um, what I what I took from my dad was his smile, his joy in life. <sighs> Sorry. That's okay. You know, may I think that you know grief is this continually everyday choice to sit in it, to be angry. All the emotions are there, and um, I don't think you know grief comes in stages as we know, but it. It can come any time, and, and the emotions can still be so raw like they are now, even though it's been years past. And so I, I'm so thankful for you here just to talk about that, that it's real. And there's great loss and still love for those that have passed on. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. You know, uh, it is a journey, as you're saying, and it, it does give me strength every day. There isn't a day... <laughs> that goes by that I don't think of my mom and my dad and that gives me strength and it gives me strength because of the beautiful memories that come to mind. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And the love continues. And then, um, and of course, um, their faith keeps me strong and, um, a verse that resonates and continues when I do think of them is that, is blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And, and God gives me strength. You know, he's given us these amazing emotions and feelings um, that help me um, feel alive. These are. Yeah, that's good. Feelings that are are beautiful. I love that, May. I love that. Just the memories and the time. I want to get back to you because I want to, we want to hear from Joanne and Cheryl, but Thank you. And I think keeping the memories alive is so, so important. Joanne, I know that you have a very personal loss that's impacting you and your family currently that you are grieving through now. 
Yeah, I, I, um, I know time is short. I mean, all of us, our stories could go on a long time and just honor the women who've spoken and uh, what you shared. Um, that idea just made what you said, the blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And I think that probably we've all experienced that. We got to be comforted because we mourned. And so we've known the comfort of Christ in a way we haven't before. So the story for me, I talk about every once in a while on the show, uh, as it has evolved over the last few years is my own father. Uh, he has Parkinson's and dementia, which means as of today, he's in uh, a home, a nursing home, long-term care home, uh, doesn't really know much about what's going on and, uh, and is, you know, in a wheelchair is, you know, largely unable to care for himself. So, uh, you know, it's a long grief. It's a different kind of grief because it, it has happened over many years. Every month, there's something new to be, to grieve. There's a new loss. And, uh, so in that sense, I feel like I've been doing, exercising this grief muscle and then experiencing the comfort um, probably for like a decade. Um, but it has certainly intense moments where it's stronger than others. You know, last year we thought my dad would die and then he didn't. And now we're li- and then we were literally like, well, what do we do with him now? Because he didn't die. And so we had literally prepared ourselves for it and then it didn't happen. And so we're in this limbo, which is a strange place to be. Um, many people in this kind of scenario will, I've, I've been told that by the time you actually have the funeral, the family is feeling relieved. Um, whereas all the people, so up until now, you know, all the, you know, there's people know what to do when someone dies, they come, there's food, there's flowers, they write you a card and say nice things and share a memory, but, but people don't do that with someone who's alive, but gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually now is when we need it as opposed to later when it will feel like great relief to know my dad is not suffering and he's with the Lord. Uh, that will be like a great day for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, you know, more complex with COVID where we're not really able to see him. He doesn't understand where we are. He feels abandoned, but we can't logically explain it. So there's lots of challenges to that for our family. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, may I, re- I resonate too with you going through some of these things at a younger age. This started in my 20s. And, and I do hope that I've always prayed that it would be not wasted that, that going through this. I kind of feel like in my 20s, I, went th- I started going through something that most people go through in their 50s. Uh, and so I hope that that has given me maturity, that has shaped me as a follower of Christ more into him. And uh, that ultimately I can help others, you know, that I have more compassion, um, more patience um, and more grace for for others going through grief. Um, And when people come into their 50s and go through what I'm going through, hopefully I'll know what to say. (laughs) No, thank you, Joe. Thank you so much. Cheryl, I know that there's been a lot of loss and not just people in your life, but just a, a lot of loss in just hope for humanity in what you've experienced and seen this year. Your thoughts on grief and loss today. If I could sum up 2020 for me, I, I had a different word coming into this, in this, this talk with you today, Melinda. And I'm listening to all of these incredible women and their honesty and their rawness. And I think I have to be honest with, my, with the viewers. If I could sum up 2020, it'd be drowning. I feel like I'm drowning sometimes. 
Um, since the pandemic, since March, I've experienced four deaths. And for the first time ever, the person that people call a warrior is wounded. And the first time, you know, the brave one is broken. And uh, every time I try to do the process of grieving and going through the steps, I don't even get to one or two or three. And then another death happens. And the last one really hit me hard. Uh, a friend I've known for over uh 25 years. When I talk about my salvation story, those that know my story, literally being driven from the street uh, on a church bus into church. I was part of a street ministry I was witness to on the street. She was the first person that received me at the altar. She became my, the aunt to my children. She was my maid of honor. And she died in four months with colon cancer. When she was diagnosed, it was stage four. And she got diagnosed in the pandemic. I think the verse that I want to just say right now is Psalm 18.2, as I close. Um, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And when I can't stand, when I can't speak, when I can't do all the ministry things and I'm drowning, the only thing I can do is cling to the rock. And so I'm clinging to the rock, even though the waves are crashing. And I just encourage someone, you don't have to do a lot of stuff. If you've just got enough breath to get above water, grab onto the rock of your salvation. It's powerful. It's really powerful, you guys. It's. I wish we were together because I want to give everyone a hug. <laughs> I know. I know. The problem with grief I know. in this season, it's so isolating. Yeah. You know, and that's where faith is so key because you're not alone. Right. Even if you're. I, I want to, I, yeah, I, I just want to leave you guys with just one quick last thought and don't make it, it can't be long, but for somebody who is in the midst of grief, who is drowning, like Cheryl is saying, who is still remembering the memories, encouragement to them, Joanna. Uh, tell people you know what you need. Don't expect them to know what you need. Uh, it is work, but just tell them what you need and they will help you. Yeah, thanks. May? Um, take all the love that people are giving you and share. You know, don't be afraid to share your feelings and what um, the rawness of what you're going through. It's tough. Um, and just um, absorb that love. There's so much love out there, um, so much love within um, when you're grieving. So grab onto it and um, indulge in all that love. I love the indulge on that love. And Cheryl, I know you said with the verse, The Rock, but what would you say to someone grieving now just lost through this year and just lost in so many other ways? Uh, from one strong person to another, where they, there's a phrase that says, check on your strong ones. Being strong and pushing down feelings and keeping things moving is admirable, but it's not always healthy. Grief unacknowledged is grief unsurrendered, and grief unsurrendered is grief unhealed. And so it's so important, as Joanna said, to really find spaces where you can be vulnerable and allow that the pain to go through you and up. I appreciate that. And like what Jen was saying, it, it, faith big hugs, 
may indulge in the love that is here with you now. Ask for help, as Joanna said. All of you, I am really proud of you for, for sharing. I'll be praying for you as you process and journey through your grief. And thank you so, so much, Jen, Cheryl, Joanne, and May, for sharing with me today. Thank you. Love you. And thank you so much. I wasn't always a TV host and executive producer, and I didn't always have a platform for my voice. And if it weren't for courageous leaders who mentored me, who took a chance on me, who gave me opportunities to lead, who allowed my voice to be heard, who believed in the gifts and passion God has given me, if it weren't for them, not only would See, Here Love not exist today, but neither would the thousands of diverse voices worldwide who, thanks to your support, are choosing lives of justice, love, kindness, inclusion, and courage. And this is only made possible by viewers, listeners, and supporters like you, leaders like you. Now through TV, podcasts, radio, YouTube, and video streaming, there is no limit to the millennials and so many others we can reach with God's transformative love and the truth that they are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. Our community needs you. We need your leadership, your wisdom, your perspective, your voice. We need you. Donate today. Visit seeherelove.com slash give. Hey, Melinda, it's so great to be back to talk about the barrier of isolation and what each and every one of us can do to help people overcome it. Isolation sounds odd, but it is, I think, the key barrier that holds people back because they're protecting themselves. Many people are stuck in poverty because their life experience has damaged them in such a way that they just don't dare hope for a future, and so they protect themselves from the grief of more broken dreams. Susan, when she first came to us a few years ago at YSM, was a person like that. She was living in a rooming house with multiple people, sleeping on the floor, feeling like that was good enough for her. And her decision to do that was was shaped by her life experience of growing up in the foster care system and being told that she would never amount to any anything, that she had no value and that she should just please shut up. And so she'd lost her voice. And when she came to YSM, she was like that. She would try to sneak in, get the meal, not say anything so as not to offend anybody and get out. That's who she was, and she didn't dare hope for anything else. Well, things have changed for Susan, I'm happy to say, and this many years later, Susan actually just recently married her beloved David. She's studying to be a PSW. She's surrounded by community and friends that love and value her. She shows up confident, capable, and hopeful. So what happened? Well, what happened is community. There were, you were present for her in so many ways. The people who sat at the meals that, that Susan came for, who gently began conversations with her, those volunteers who looked at her in the eyes and wanted to hear what she had to say, and she realized that, and then she started to speak. They made a huge difference. The volunteer who was her mentor, as she started to make decisions and go to workshops and form new relationships and helped her navigate all that, helped Susan. The volunteers who did a business workshop with a group of people in community that Susan was a part of, uh, where they started this candle making business and she learned that she had mad skills in working in customer service and uh, really great ideas helped Susan. 
Many, many people have helped Susan and community, and I hope you can see yourself in that. Could you be a mentor? Could you be a tutor? Could you be someone who sits and has conversations with someone who doesn't know that they have worth? Could you help someone not feel isolated? If you see yourself in that, if you see your church in that, I invite you to pick up this bucket and, and lean in, call an organization near your, you where you live to get involved or follow the link with this blog if your church is interested in learning how you might have a community-based response. All the best to you, blessings, and I look forward to seeing you next month. She's here to help us find hope in our pain and explain the practice of lament. She's also the author of The Louder Song. Welcome, Aubrey Sampson. Hi, Melinda. Thanks so much for having and, me. And I know. I know. It's been pretty emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for your grace and understanding as we came out of that panel. But I, I know that you have experienced personal grief. Mm -hmm. So you get what we just saw in the panel. Yeah. Yeah. 2015 for me. So we're about actually five years now because it was in October. My husband and I opened the doors to our church plant, a little church in the Chicagoland area. And the same week, my first book, a book called Overcomer, came out. And also that same week, I woke up inexplicably just unable to walk. Wow. I couldn't get out of bed, could put no pressure on my legs whatsoever. My husband was actually carrying me around the house. Wow. Um, I was eventually hospitalized and diagnosed with a disease that impacts my joints. Now, praise God, I'm doing well now. But that was a dark, dark season of grief. On top of that... We were in the middle already of grieving my cousin Cameron, who was like a brother to me, like an uncle to my kids. He was snowshoe hiking in Crater Lake National Park, Oregon. He stepped out onto a snow cornice and then Cameron plummeted to his death. Oh. Um, years later, park rangers still haven't found his body. And then on top of that, our youngest son had to have spinal cord surgery and re receive years of care. And so it was just, a, um, you know, as your amazing panel has just talked about, it was a year of great difficulty. Uh, the reason I wrote the louder song is because the Lord met me there and invited me into the spiritual discipline and the spiritual language of lament, lament which eventually God met me and moved me back to a place of hope. Aubrey, wow. <laughs> I want, yeah. I want so I want to understand lament because it's like grief and lament go hand in hand. I think that will help us as we end the show on how important that is as we grieve to lament. Yeah. So what is it? Why is it important? How has it helped you? Such a great question, Melinda. Um, lament is known biblically as an impolite plea, which is kind of a funny phrase, <laughs> but it really is an expression of grief and agony and sorrow and kind of all the ugly stuff. Um, but to God, you're not just expressing that pain to avoid or to yourself. You're actually giving it to God as a prayer. Um, laments are often in scripture. Actually, laments are in scripture more than praise songs are in scripture, which a lot of people don't realize. But the beautiful thing about lament is I think in our relationships with God, we often think, you know, we can only bring him our praises and our worship. Mm -hmm. And of course, he is worthy of those things. But in our grief and in our sorrow, God has given us this language with which we can come to him openly and express the hardest things we've ever been through. He's given us the language. He permits us to use it. And then God is with us in that. Mm -hmm. And so lament really is 
an invitation from God, not to run from him, not to carry it alone, but to say, okay, God, evil is evil. I mean, this stuff that I am dealing with or this stuff that my people are dealing with is some of the worst thing that I've ever seen in my life. And yet I know that you are making all things new. I know that you say you are here with me. And so lament helps us hope, hold both of those things at once and really just invite God into the process and watch him show up. And he, he does believe it or not. He does. Aubrey, it sounds like more than ever, we need lament in this season. So mm. practically, what does that look like? So we have had loss of life and jobs and freedoms and security and control and loss, 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 and we're grieving. How do we practically lament um, and find hope in that place? Yeah. Um, yeah, we have certainly globally experienced a, a season of grief, haven't we? I think there are a few ways that we can lament. I'll talk individually and then uh, communally briefly, but um, individually, you know, every lament in scripture follows a pattern. Every lament begins with the word how, then moves to yet, and then moves to with, God's witness with us in our difficulty. And so like David begins his lament, how long, O Lord? How long uh, must you hide your face from me? How long until you show up and make a difference? And so honestly, one thing we can do is grab a journal or grab our phone, grab something and begin to write our hows down. God, how are you going to make this better? God, how are you going to show up? How are you going to show your goodness in this? And then we can offer those hows as a prayer to God and honestly, just leave them at his feet and wait for him to show up in them. Mm, uh, laments then move to a place of yet. This is a, there's a really famous yet in Lamentations 321. You know, Jeremiah is lamenting. I remember my bitterness. I remember the gall. I have affliction all around me. And yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have hoped the great, mm. great love of the Lord never ends because of his love. I am not consumed. Yeah. And so um, the yet in our lament is not something we can force necessarily, especially we're in those deep seasons of grief, but it is something that we can begin to say, okay, spirit of God, help me move to a place of yet. Help me declare my yet. Help me to remember that even if I can't see the other side of this, you are good. And so I will declare that yet of faith in the ground because I know you're going to show up. And then the last part of lament is, is God's witness and just asking God to show up with his presence. Cause we don't always get answers. We don't always get solutions. Some evil and pain is simply unreasonable. And so there aren't reasons for it, but what we have is God's power. What we have is God's presence. What we have is God's comfort. And so in our lament, we can just say, okay, God, I need you to show up and then wait in the unanswerable and he will show up. I am so encouraged by that, Aubrey. I think that permission that you are giving us to say how and and with and yet and and call out to God, that is so encouraging. It feels like sort of like a, a weight has been taken off of us to say, it's okay. God's not afraid of our grief and anger, but he is with us and loves us and cares about us enough to to help us through this time of grief. I, I thank you so much for your thoughts. I thank you for the, your book and uh, I'm encouraged by you. Keep doing the great work that you're doing. Thanks so much for having me, Melinda. Thanks for letting me talk. Thanks. 
During this time of pandemic, unfortunately, I've experienced four deaths and it has felt, I've likened it unto a raging storm, waves upon waves crashing. Every time you try to get air, another wave comes. And I don't know about you, but if you're feeling this right now, know that I can personally relate and understand all the feelings, the denial, the anger, the overwhelming sadness and the grief. Uh, you know, Henry Nguyen says this, when we lose someone we've loved deeply, we're left with a grief that can paralyze us emotionally. When they die, it feels like a part of us died too. But I want you to know that Jesus understands grief and all of its complexities. In John 11, it says that Mary and Martha told Jesus that their brother, his beloved friend Lazarus had died. In verse 35, the shortest verse of all, most powerful says that Jesus wept. He too grieved for the death of his beloved friend, not because of the loss of life, because we know that later in the text, he actually calls Lazarus back to life. No, Jesus grieved because they were grieving. The Bible says that he is acquainted with our grief and what breaks our heart breaks his. Um, and you know, Pope Leo the Great says this when he refers to the passage that in his humanity, Jesus wept for Lazarus, but in his divinity, he raised him up. Jesus weeps with you, my friend. He grieves with you. But will you allow him now in this moment, in his divinity, to raise you up out of this moment of grief? Psalm 174.3, as I close, says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds the wounds. Allow the supernatural, all-powerful one in his divinity to heal your broken heart. Calvin, that was a really tough show. Thank you for giving me the Kleenex <laughs> box, but it was an important show that we had to do. Yeah. You know, we all experience loss. And the question is, when we do, will we grieve well? Will we choose to lament? And will we choose to find hope in our pain? That's the question I leave with you today. And I hope the answer is yes. Well, for more resources and support in your grief and lament, for blogs on this topic and to watch all of our shows, go to seeherelove.com. And when you have moments of reprieve, when the tears have stopped for a moment, when you're feeling that hole in your heart of loss, remember this as a comfort and promise to you, that you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Thanks for joining us. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.